Oh, babe, now that we got our own house, we're gonna have to get a mower. Oh no, are you gonna be one of those dads? No. I'm not gonna be one of those basic dads. I'm a dude dad, I'm a cool dad. I'm not gonna obsess over my lawn or mower. Oh, babe, they got a red one. Oh, look, sweetie, they got a blue one. Look at that, oh, they got a battery-powered one. I can listen to Bon Jovi while I mow. Self-propelled. Feels like Christmas. How do I look, babe? Do I look good? Oh, can I get a ride on? I know we don't need one, but a guy can dream, right? Oh, look at this one. sink in a minute. I just want to check the weather real quick. No, 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 I was just resting my eyes. Yeah, honey, I'll fix the sink. 
Father's Day. Come on, let's give it up for all the dads in the room today. Yeah. Yeah, happy Father's Day, and uh, it's a special day around here. I love seeing everybody in the room with us today. I got my Father's Day shirt on, you know what I'm saying? You got to get, get, get that Father's Day swag, that drip, that Father's Day drip on. Yeah. Kids love it when you try to use words that they use, and they just love that. So try that today, dads. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, a couple things about Father's Day. Uh, for those of you who are in person with us, uh, you get, you get, we've got a, um, a photo op outside, a photo booth, and we only have one photo booth because we, we know that dads aren't quite as serious about taking photos as moms are, okay? So uh, normally for Mother's Day, we have two photo opportunities. We've got one out there today, but we do have tons of gifts for you dads, so stop. There's a table out there on your way out. We'd love to get you just a gift for being a great dad. And uh, for those of you who want to be dads or might be dad soon, all right? So stop by that, uh, that table on the way out. To, we just want to get that to you free, of course. But a big hello also to everybody online. We're just so thankful that you're part of our church family, wherever you're watching from. And uh, we, we're just thankful that you're part of this journey with us. Can we welcome everybody online with us today as well? Good, good to have you. Yeah. A couple things I just want to hit real quick, and, and that is a week from tomorrow, we're kicking off Summer Blast. Summer Blast is our version of va Vacation Bible School, okay? And so uh, that's a week from tomorrow, and, and you can register there on the website, but it's going to happen at nighttime. We, we do it in the evenings because we want the parents to be part of it. We want you to see what's going on, what your kids are learning, experience what they're experiencing in the service. And so that's, uh, that's a week from tomorrow, and then... The, the second thing I want to just point out is that a couple weeks away is serve day, serve day. And this is not just any kind of serve day. We serve on the first Saturday of every month. We're always out in the community making a difference. But uh, this is a day where we just encourage every person part of City Hope to really help us make a difference, to just paint the town red. And, uh, and so I want you to do a couple things. Think about maybe some different opportunities that you've seen. Uh, and here's how you know if it's a good opportunity. If you've maybe ridden around somewhere or you've thought about a, a, a person and you thought, man, we, somebody needs to do something about that. Maybe you're the somebody. Come on, right? If you, if you thought, maybe somebody needs to help her out, that widow over there. Maybe you're the somebody who needs to help her, okay? So, so um, you can go to our website. It's cityhopefamily.com slash serve. That'll take you to some more information on that, all right? But today we are in step three or part three week three of a series that we're calling Running with the Giants. And this is based on uh, our theme verse that comes out of Hebrews chapter 12. And so I want to jump right into our message today because there's so much content that I want to cover. And, and, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss anything about it, okay? So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we don't know who authored Hebrews, but it says that, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And the witnesses that he's writing about are the giants of the faith who've gone on before us. It's people, men and women from the Old Testament, that they were, he was saying, these are giants of the faith. These are people who have, they have done what we want to do, and they have gotten to where we want to go. And so he says, we need to learn some things from them. We, we need to learn in our faith from these giants that went on before us. And he says, here's what we need to do. We need to throw off everything that hinders us. 
and the sin that so easily entangles us. And that's what these giants of the faith do. They teach us how to do this. They say, hey, there's going to be some times where you, where you want to give up. There's going to be times where you're tempted, where, where you're tangled up, and we're going to show you how to get out of that, okay? And so he says, uh, let us run with perseverance the race. And that's what life is. Life is a race. Life is it's a journey, and, and we don't need to just run it. We need to run it with perseverance. Amen? All right. And so uh, this race is the race that God has marked out for us. And, and so what we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at these, wit the, these witnesses, the heroes of the faith, and we're trying to imagine what would it be like if they stepped out of the grandstands, out of heaven, and they came down and took a lap with us on earth. If, if we're on the track and they're in the stadium, what would it be like if they came down to the track and they took a lap in life with us? What would they want us to know? What would they tell us? What would they say, you've, you've got to know this, all right? And so uh, week one, we talked about Peter, how he, he, told, he told us, whenever you feel like failure is final, you need to know God still has a plan for you. Come on, somebody. God still has a plan. Last week, Pastor Tom talked about uh, that, that Jacob was the hero, the giant of the faith, and Jacob would tell us, you need to let God be in control, all right? Well, today, we're going to talk about one of, one of Jacob's sons, his 11th son. His name is Joseph, all right? We're going to talk about Joseph. And here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph was uh, uh, the favorite son of Jacob, okay? So, so last week, we talked a little bit about Jacob. Jacob had uh, sister wives, okay? Really, he had sister wives. They were sisters. And, and so he was married to two sisters. He loved one, Leah, but he really, really loved Rachel. And it was obvious. And so jo Joseph was, was the firstborn son of Rachel. And so he really, Jacob really loved Joseph. He treated Joseph differently. The Bible says he loved him more than all of the other sons that he had. He gave him preferential treatment, which, by the way, on Father's Day, I would just, little little nugget here, dads, it's not a good idea. Okay, it doesn't turn out, doesn't turn out good to give the favoritism because that's what happened with Joseph. Jacob let him off the hook. Um, the, the Bible says that, that Jacob gave him a coat of many colors. And it wasn't just like, um, hey, I made this shirt for you. This was an ornate robe. It was almost like a robe of royalty. It denoted that, that Joseph, I, I, I think you're maybe, I like you a little bit better than the rest of your brothers. And so his brothers hated him because of this, because he got preferential treatment. But the Bible also says that Joseph was a tattletale. That, that his brothers would go out into the field and Joseph got to stay back home. Another reason they hated him. And so the Bible says that, that Je, uh, Jacob would send him out into the field and Joseph would come back with bad reports, reports of bad things that his brothers were doing. The Bible says they hated him because of this and they couldn't even say a kind word to Joseph. And this is kind of where we're picking up the story. I'm giving you the background. And I'm only scratching the surface today, by the way. Uh, I would love to, to do the entire story of Joseph, but we need a few weeks to do that. So go read Genesis 37 and on. But this is where we pick up the story because Joseph is now 17 years old and he starts having dreams. And, and, and here's what the Bible says, that Joseph had a dream at 17. He had a dream. This word dream here is the Hebrew word halam, 
which, which would be better translated as not that Joseph had a dream. It would be better translated to say that the dream had Joseph. Have you ever had a... You know, we've had some pretty weird dreams before, and it's like, oh, that's crazy. That's just a pizza, right? <laughs> that's just what I had last night. But for Joseph, this dream had him. He was obsessed over this thing. He couldn't stop talking about it. It was all he thought about. And so when he told his brothers, they hated him even more over the dream. And he says to them, he says, hey, guys, listen to this, listen to this dream I had. He says, uh, we, were, we were building or binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down. Bow down, right? That's what basically he was saying. So, so let, me, let me give you context here. In this culture, bowing down is a sign of, um, of submission, subjection. I am, I am surrendering myself. I am respecting your authority in my life. I'm submitting to you. And so it was unlikely that his brothers would ever bow down to him. He's the youngest, right? So they're not going to bow down to him. And so this, this bothers his brothers. Well, it goes on to say, and I'm going to paraphrase this, that Joseph had another dream where the sun, the moon, the 11 stars, they bowed down to Joseph, and he told his father and brothers about it, and they hated him even more, and his dad said, hey, you, you need to keep your mouth shut on now. I wouldn't talk about it anymore. Well, a little while later, his brothers are out in the field, and Jacob says, hey, Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers. Tell me how they're doing. And so his brothers see him coming from the distance, and they say, here comes that dreamer. Come, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. Let's say that there was a ferocious animal that devoured him, and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Now, I mean, I think that might just be taking it a little too far. Anybody else? Right? Like, dang, y'all, what what, what's the problem? Now, here, here's the thing. Joseph knew that God had given him a dream. Joseph knew that God had a purpose for his life, and he was leaning into this thing heavy. But the problem is, it wasn't working out the way he planned. Y'all know what I'm talking about today? Yeah, has, has life ever happened somewhere somewhat different than the way that you thought it should happen? And this is what's going on for Joseph here. Like many of us, Joseph's life took a completely different turn for the next 23 years. Nothing seemed to be happening the way that Joseph thought it should happen. And so I want to dedicate this message today to those of you who are, you, you feel like life is not turning out the way that it's supposed to. That, that life is not heading in the direction that you want it to go. Life is not what you thought it would be. You thought you would be further than you are by now. You thought you would be in a different season of life than you are right now. And because of that, maybe you're discouraged. Maybe your life is in a detour. And, and maybe you're checking out. Maybe you're, maybe you're checking out spiritually. Maybe you're here today, but you really have no interest in, in church or a relationship with God. Maybe you're checking out emotionally. You're still married, but you're thinking about somebody else. Maybe you're checking out mentally. Maybe some of you today, it might be true that you're checking out physically, that you're thinking, you know what? I, 
I think this world would, would be better off without me. Can I just tell you right now, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Come on. You're, you have a life worth living. God is not finished with you yet. There is still more for you to accomplish in this life. Come on, church. Let's thank God that that's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. So I think if Joseph could come down out of this, the grandstands of heaven and he could come take a lap of life with us, here's what I think he would tell us. In your notes... He would say, when life isn't turning out the way you had planned, don't give up on your dreams. That's what I think Joseph would tell us today. Don't give up. Everybody say that. Say, don't give up. Yeah. Now turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. All right. Now turn to the person you ignored the first time on the other side and say, don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. Because this is where a lot, this is where maybe some of you are today. Is you're feeling like giving up, and I'm just telling you today, it, it, it's too soon. It's too soon. Don't throw in the towel yet. I want to focus on the first three words here. Don't give up. Here's what Joseph would tell us if he was taking a lap with us. Number one, in your notes, jot this down. He would say, "Don't give up on your dreams, even if it didn't start well." Even if it didn't start well. You know, for some of you here today, your life hasn't started well for you. you you've got a past. Okay, Joseph had a little bit of a past. Not only was he the favorite, but he did some things that kind of detoured his life. He wasn't perfect, but he did some things. And maybe some of you, you're here today and you've done some things that have detoured your life. And, and, but the problem with, with what, what's happening in your life right now is you're focused on all of your past. You're, you're thinking, you're, let me say it this way, you're trying, to, you're trying to get yourself out of the ditches because all, you've been looking in the rear view. Come on, you, you, you've, been trying to, you've been trying to move forward, but you're looking through the rear view and you, don't see, you can't see where you're going. You're stumbling all over yourself because you're thinking about the past. You're dwelling on the past. You're dwelling on what could have been, what should have been, what, what would have been if only you got that Uncle Rico syndrome that if the, if the coach would have put you in in the fourth quarter in 1982, you could have been the state champion and you would have, you would have been playing professional football. The coach's fault, Right? It didn't start well for you, and so you're thinking on the past. You're thinking on the past. So, so um, let, me, let me just be clear with you today. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, He doesn't just forgive your sins. He erases your sins. Your sins are gone, past, present, and future. You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a good word, right? But there's this other truth, and that the, the other truth is that the devil is a liar. And the devil, he sneaks up on you and he's whispering in your ear all of your failures, all the things that you used to do, all the things that, have, that, would, that would disqualify you from being what God's called you to be. He's whispering those in your ear. He's trying to keep you weighed down. He's trying to keep you ineffective in life. And it, it kind of reminds me of uh, this story about a, um, a parrot that I heard, a guy that was at the, he, he, went to a, he went to a pet store and he's minding his own business. This guy's just minding his own business, pet store. And there's this full-grown parrot in there and starts talking to him. He, full, the, the parrot says, hey! The man turns around and says, you, you talking to me? He says, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come over here. So the man went over and he said, what? The parrot said, you're the ugliest man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the man is offended. I mean, he, he's, he's like, you, 
man, you, you, have, you have offended me. Where's the owner? He goes and gets the owner. He says, your bird has insulted me. And then the store owner gets onto the bird. He says, man, you can't talk to customers like that. You're going to run them off. You've got to keep your mouth shut. Don't say things like that. So, all right. The, the guy leaves. About a month later, he comes back to the same pet store. Parrot. He's minding his own business. And the parrot says, hey. Man turns. He says, you talking to me? He says, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come over here. So the man walks over and he says, what? And the parrot says, you know what? Y'all know that's funny right there. That is funny. All right, here's the thing. Here's what I think. I think that's the devil's job description. You know what? Who did, now, you're trying to worship God? You, you know what you did? You think you can serve on the dream team after you know what you did? You, you mean you're trying to join this church? I mean, who do you think you... I know what you did. You think you're going to go to serve day after... What you did, come on, that's what the devil does. He's constantly just trying to bring up and remind you of what you did. But I'm here to tell you today, church, that living in your past will keep you from God's potential. You've got to start clean. You've got to make a clean break from your past. Your past is in the past. And you've got to make a clean break and run to God. His potential for your life. Amen. We see this in Paul, the apostle. Paul had a past. I mean, he, he, he was always a religious guy, but he was not always one who really, who, who really did what God called him to do. In fact, there was a point in Paul's life, he thought he was pleasing God, he was killing Christians. That's how jacked up he was. In Philippians, he says, I'm trying to forget my past. He's trying to forget the things that he had done. And, and look at what Paul says in Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. In other words, I didn't have strength. He gave me the strength and that he considered me faithful, okay? I wasn't faithful because, I, because my life was so far from God. He considered me faithful, though, and he gave me, he appointed me to his service. He appointed me. He gave me a purpose. He gave me a destiny. He gave me something to do, a life to fulfill. And I just want to pause right here because today's the third Sunday of the month. It's what we call... Uh, Step three, on the third Sunday of every month, we do step three. And as I was preparing this this week, I thought about how uh, we've had hundreds of people go through step one and step two this year, and, and only about 54% of the people who've gone to step one made it to step three. And I started thinking about, why is that? Why, why is that? And I just felt the Lord say, it's because a lot of people are, t are, are, are too weighed down by their past. You're letting the enemy keep you weighed down and ineffective by what you used to be. And, and so you believe the lie. You can't serve in this church because of what you did. You're believing the lie that you can't use your gifts, that you can't use your talents, that you can't use your abilities, that you can't do what God has called you to do. But I want to tell you today that your pain can become your purpose, that your misery and what you've gone through in life can become a ministry for you. Amen? And so I'm just, I'm just saying, and this is not a gimmick, I'm just saying maybe it's time for you to just kind of put the devil in his place and say, you know what, I'm going to step three today. You're not going to keep me weighed down and ineffective anymore. I'm about to step into my destiny, I'm about to use my gifts and my passions. So this is, what, this is what Paul did. So he says, even though I once was a blasphemer, yeah, even though I once was a persecutor, I used to be a violent man, but God showed me mercy because I was ignorant 
and I acted in unbelief. Hey, come on. It's, it's time to, hey, don't give up on your dream, even if you didn't start well, even if you feel like you've got a checkered past. Hey, that's a good word right there, everybody. All right. Number two, the second thing that, that Joseph would tell us is that even if your family doesn't support you, don't give up on your dreams even if your family doesn't support you. Now, um, how many of you know someone who's annoying? You know somebody who's annoying? Just a show of hands. Raise, raise your hand. How many of you are sitting next to someone who is annoying? Oh, yeah, okay. A couple people. How many of you, you would be brave enough to say, I am the one who is annoying? Okay. Got, got some people, got, got some folks in here. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm the one. Okay. All right. Now, it's one thing to, to be frustrated with somebody because they're a little annoying. They're getting under your skin. They're rubbing you the wrong way. They're, 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 they're just uh, working on your nerves, as I like to say it. But Joseph experienced a whole nother level. It wasn't just that he was annoying. No, his brothers hated his guts. They wanted him dead. They, they, they said, let's kill him. But one brother spoke up and said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. <laughs> like, that's a better option, right? And, but that's what they did. Now, slavery in those days is what we today call, it's modern-day human trafficking. Modern-day human trafficking, which, by the way, worldwide, there is 40.3 million people who are enslaved in human trafficking worldwide. Uh, human trafficking is one of the it's one of the largest criminal activities in America, believe it or not. And so, um, you know, as I was preparing this message today, uh, I, I, when I when I planned to talk about Joseph, I didn't I didn't plan for it to fall on Father's Day and on this particular day. But as I was preparing this, I I I realized that today's Juneteenth, and I don't know if you're familiar with what Juneteenth is. But it's the day that, that we recognize the end of slavery in America. And I, I just want to take a minute in this room and, and, uh, and I want to bring attention to that. Because, in, in fact, Juneteenth actually has its roots right here in Texas. If you're not familiar what it, with what it is, it's, it's when there, were, uh, there was a group of African-American slaves in Galveston who finally heard about the, pro the Emancipation Proclamation two years after it was, it was given. So in other words, they are legally free, but they had no idea. They had no idea. And, and I bring this up today, talk about Juneteenth, because it's an important day in our history as a country. That this, man, enough is enough. And so as, as a pastor of this church, I desire for this to be a place with every tribe, every tongue, every race, a multicultural church. Come on. We're, th this is what this is about. We're looking like heaven. That's what I want heaven to look like, right? And so, yeah, we're not where we ought to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be. Come on. There is greater days ahead for our country. There is racial recon reconciliation ahead for us. I believe that. I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. But I'm just telling you, I believe that there's hope for a racially divided nation in Jesus' name. It starts in the church. It starts here. Preaching. All right? Okay. So, so Joseph, he's in that situation. He's in human trafficking. He's being sold as a slave. And, and, um, and by the way... Total, different side note, because of your generosity this week, 
we were able to give $1,500 to a human trafficking awareness and advocacy referral and rescuing program right here in Wichita Falls, Texas. We were able to accelerate what they're doing to just help make a difference. So I want to thank you for that because it, it, makes, a, it makes a difference, all right? So, so Joseph's in, he, he's not supported by his family. Jesus was in the same boat as Joseph. His family didn't even support him. Think about it. There was a moment where Jesus was teaching, he's preaching, doing some miracles, and his family kind of interrupt and they say, hey, you'll have to excuse our brother. He, he's, he's a little office rocker today. And they're trying to, get, trying to pull Jesus away. And Jesus says, it says this about Jesus, that, that the people closest to him said, isn't this the carpenter? Jesus, you're saying you're, you're, saying you're a... You're the Messiah? Aren't you the carpenter? Aren't you Mary's boy? Aren't you the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Aren't your sisters right over there? And so they took offense at Jesus. In other words, they didn't support Jesus. And because of that, Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. So Joseph would say, hey, even if your family doesn't support you, you get it. don't give up on your dreams. Number three. Don't give up on your dreams, even if your journey is full of surprises. Surprises. So I feel like you should know that anytime you have a dream from God, anytime he gives you something in this life to accomplish, you never go from point A to point B in a straight line. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you walk in circles. <laughs> you may feel like you're going in the opposite direction. You may feel like, I have no idea what's going on in this life. And, but when, when, when you face surprises, you have one of two options. You can give up or you can go on. You can give up or go on. Everybody say, give up. Go on. Okay. I'm going to go through some events of, Ju uh, of Joseph's life. All right? And as I go through these events of his life, I want you to tell me, shout it out to me, whether it was a give up moment or a go on moment. Okay? Did he want to give up? Did he want to go on? All right? So help me out here. Uh, he was misunderstood by his family. Right, that was terrible. That was <laughs> terrible. Definitely a give up moment, okay? If you don't know the story, if you see something that has negative on it, that's give up. Something positive, go on, okay? All right, let's try it again. Misunderstood by his family. Give up. Give up. He wanted to give up. He was sold into slavery to Potiphar. Give up. He wanted to give up. His brothers sold him to slave traders who sold him to this guy in Egypt, Potiphar, who was, who was in charge of a lot of different things. He was a bigwig in Egypt. So that's a give up moment. Well, now he's living in a strange country far from home. Give up. He wants to give up. He's far from his brothers, far from his parents. But he was given favor in Potiphar's house. Go on, right? He did such a great job that Potiphar said, I want to put you in charge of everything. It was a go-on moment, but then Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him. What is that? Give up. Give up. So, so he was in charge of everything. Potiphar's wife has googly eyes for him, right? She's like, Joseph, Joseph. And she tries to lure him to bed and, and to, to sleep with her, and, and, and he does what all of us need to do. Hey, if that happens to you guys, run. That's what Joseph did. He, he, she grabs him by the coat. He, he pulls himself away from the coat. He takes off running. 
And she, she turns it on him and says, he tried to rape me. Now, all of a sudden, he's thrown into prison. What's that? Give up moment. Oh, man. What about he's put in charge of all the prisoners? Go on. He does such a great job in prison. They put him in charge. He's like the warden. He's in charge of all of it. But then there was a, a, a guy who was the chief cupbearer who, who Joseph interpreted a dream for him. And, and the cupbearer ends up getting reinstated back to Pharaoh. And Joseph says, hey, would you just remember me when you get reinstated? Would you, don't forget me. So he's forgotten by the cupbearer. What's that? Give up moments, right? He remains in prison for two more years. Give up. But he, call, he's get call, he gets called to the big leagues, right? He interprets a, a dream, Pharaoh's dream. What's that? Go on. And then became second in command of all of Egypt. What's that? Go on. All right, so I'm giving you all of these events in his life to help you see that more than likely, you're going to have more give up moments, twice as many give up moments as you do go on moments. My name is Ben, and I'm your friend. I just came to encourage you today. <laughs> There's going to be more times that you want to give up than you want to go on. The question is, what do you do in the give up moments? What do you do when you feel like throwing in the towel? What do you do when you feel like everything is against you? You do what Joseph, Joseph would say this. I think Paul's the one who wrote it. But I think Joseph would say, you've got to know that you know that you know that you know. Inside of your heart, you've got to know that in all things, in good and bad, in the pit, in the palace, when you're, when you're in the ditch or when you're rich, right? Whatever it is, you've got to know that God's working, that God may not have, he, he may not have caused it in your life, he may not have made it happen in your life, but he is using it in your life to do good things if you love him, for those who love him, for those who've been called, for those who are walking according to his purpose. Can I just tell you today, he's working all things for the good of those who love him. It may not look like it, it may not feel like it, but somewhere, someway, somehow, He's working all things. Amen? So we, we've got we've, we've to stay strong. Don't give up even if there's surprises. And then number four is don't give up even if it takes a long time. And it took a long time for Joseph. In fact, it was, it was 23 years before his dream became a reality. Here's Joseph, 40 years old now. He, he's on top of the world. He's living large and in charge. Man, he's got everything he wants. All the power of the world's at his fingertips. The prince of Egypt. Isn't that a great moment? But, but what about, I mean, that's, that's the easy part. It's easy to trust God when everything's going well. It's easy to trust God when you're the prince of Egypt. But what about when he was picking up slop in the prison? What about when he was sold into slavery? What about when his brothers threatened to kill him? Uh, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's a long time. Especially when you're going through situations like that. And here's what I think Joseph would say. He would say, these things that God's put in your heart, these, this dream that God's given you, it won't happen right away. But it will happen slowly, steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be. It may not be now. It may not have happened yet. 
It may not happen by the time you get home today or next year or the next 10 years, but it will happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come to pass. And he says, if it seems slow, don't despair. Don't give up. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. That's the word of the Lord. It's going to happen. For Joseph, it was 23 years. So what I want to do real quick is I want to take a look at um, three more things that Joseph would tell us. Okay, so Joseph, we, we've walked the lap. We've ran the track of life with Joseph. He's about to go back in the stands. And he says, hey, there's three things I want to tell you. Before I go, I need you to know that even, even when you didn't start well, even though your, your family's not supporting you, even though the journey's full of surprises, and even though you've been going through this for a really long time, three things I want you to know. Number one is I, I want you to focus on what happens in you, not to you. Because when you're going through something in life, it's easy to start playing the blame game. It's easy to start becoming the victim. Well, if they wouldn't treat me this way. Well, I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for the boss. Well, we wouldn't have this split family if he, if she. We wouldn't have to deal with what we're dealing with right now if they. And see, we begin to project the blame on everybody else. Joseph would say, you can't do that. You can't, it's going to eat you alive. It's this, this rejection and this, this sort of blame game, victim mentality, it's not going to work for you. He would say, listen to what Peter says. Peter said, be truly glad because there's joy ahead. It's not here now. It's, it's going to come. There's joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials. Can I just, I, I, want, I do want to encourage for you for just a moment. Th there is a truth and a reality that the gospel of Christianity is a gospel of suffering. But I also want to bring to the, the, to the table that the gospel of Christianity is also a gospel of the God is, God is a God of deliverance. Are you getting that? Yeah, you may have to suffer, but you don't have to suffer alone. And there is a deliverer, Jesus Christ, who's on his way. And so he says, you may have to endure some trials a little bit, but these trials will only show you that your faith is genuine, that your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. How does it do that? They heat it up really hot. It, the impurities rise to the surface and then they skim the impurities away. The same is true with our faith. God lets us go through things sometimes. We experience difficulties in life and it's difficult. But what it does is it, it, it purifies us. It gets the impurities out of our life because our faith is way more precious than gold. James says it this way. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. Is, is that what you do when you pray? God, I just want to thank you for the trials that I'm in right now. You're such a great God for letting me go through sucky situations. I am really, really appreciate that, God. Nobody does that, but James says we ought to. God, I thank you for the tough times that I'm in right now. Why? Because it's, it's developing perseverance in me. It's developing character inside of me. It's developing something in my faith. The testing in my faith develops perseverance. And I'm not going to give up. I am going to go on in Jesus' name. All right? Y'all with me? 
feel like, I feel like I'm trying to like, like get, get you to believe me. Like you're like, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> I don't want the trials. I don't either. But we have to go through them sometimes. Let it develop something inside of us. All right, here's the second one. Final words of encouragement that your response to offense determines your future. I can't believe what she did. I will never forgive her. But you just keep on living in bitterness then. That's fine. Did he just say that? Yes, I did. I'll never forget what... I'll, I'll never forgive her. I'll never forgive, forgive him. Okay. Just make everybody else's life miserable in the meantime. Because... Because it, you're not forgiving them only hurts you. That's not in my notes. But somebody need to hear that today. It only hurts you. Um, Joseph was in a situation where, where he, he, could have put, he, he could have punished his brothers. The rest of the story is that as Joseph comes into um, the, the prince of Egypt, there's a famine in the land. And people from all over the world are coming to Egypt to buy grain. His father sends his brothers to go get grain from Egypt. The only one that they don't allow to go is Benjamin, the youngest brother. And when they come before him, Joseph recognizes them immediately. He knows exactly who they are, but they can't recognize him because he's got Egyptian garb on. He doesn't look the same. And so in that moment, Joseph could have said, Man, you're the sorriest brothers I've ever met in my life. Look what you did to me. Look at all the stuff that I had to go through because of you. My life would be so much better. I mean, how could it be better when you're the prince of Egypt? If I hadn't done all of, No, no, no. He didn't say a word. Oh, please go read the rest of this story. Uh, it's a story you can't put down. It's incredible. But instead, Joseph, Joseph saw this dream being fulfilled right before his eyes. They come in. They bow down before, before Joseph. And Joseph could have ended their life in that moment, but instead, he says, you intended to harm me, but God was looking out for us. God intended it for good, and he forgave those who were trying to ruin his life. Don't, don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. Number three, Joseph would say, in tough times, you've got to remember that God is always with you always with you. And I'm not going to try to convince you that God is with you today. I'm going to read the Bible, and I want the Bible to convince you that God is with you. All throughout Scripture, we see this, and I've, uh, there's just a couple of Scriptures that I'm going to share today, but I want you to begin to believe this. Let faith rise up inside of you that no matter what you're going through today, no matter what trials you may be facing, no matter how long you've been in the journey, God is with you. Psalm 139 says, if I go up to the heavens you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there, God. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in time of need. Uh, Isaiah 43 says that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, says God. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because God is with you. Jeremiah 119 says that they will fight against you, but will not overcome you because I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And Jesus Christ himself says, surely... 
I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. God is with you. Do you believe that today, church? Come on, let's give God praise that he is with us. He's with us. Amen. I'd love for you to bow your heads and, and let me just close out with two prayers today. I want to pray first of all for, for those of you in the room. You feel maybe like Joseph felt. Maybe, maybe you're in a season where it's taken way too long. There's been a lot of surprises. Maybe you're, you're hindered by your past. Maybe for you it's, um, it's a family issue. Your family's not supporting you. And you just you feel like giving up. You're, you're discouraged. You're in a detour. And I want to pray for you today. If that's you, just boldly lift your hand. Just boldly let, let me pray for you. Hands up all over the room. Father, for every hand that's lifted up who's in the middle of a, a detour, maybe middle of discouragement, Father, I'm praying right now the peace of God that passes understanding would guard their hearts and mind. Lord, I'm praying that they would know that you're working things for their good. God, give them faith to believe. Give them faith to, to trust. Faith to, to expect you to do great things. Faith to expect you will deliver. You will move on their behalf. Even if it takes a long time, even in the hurt, even in the heartache, even in the trials, you're there. You're fighting for them. Lord, I pray that today you would give them peace, strength, your joy. Lord, let them forgive. Let them, let them walk away from bitterness. Let them walk away from, from focusing on what's happened to them and focus more on what's going on on the inside and to remember you're with them today. You are with them. In Jesus' name, with your heads still bowed, if you're here and maybe today you're far from God, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, maybe you're in spiritual slavery today. You're enslaved to maybe addiction or you're enslaved to a, a life that really is just pulling you further away from God. In the same way that God rescued Joseph from slavery, he can, he can rescue you from this spiritual slavery to the things that you don't want to do that you keep on doing. He can rescue you. He can set you free. He can do a work in your life. And it starts with you acknowledging him as your savior. And so I want to give you that moment today. If you're here and you'd say, Ben, I need Jesus. I want to recognize Jesus as my savior. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to boldly lift up your hand. One, two, three. Come on. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Three. Anybody else would say three? Four. Five. Anybody else say that? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Thank you. Thank you top. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Hands down. And let's pray this prayer together. All across the room, let's say this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. All that I am, I repent. I ask you to forgive me for doing things my way. I'm coming back to you. Would you cleanse me? Wash me, make me new, give me a clean slate. Today, I fully surrender. I trust you as my God, my Savior. 
And from this day forward, I will follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's thank God for salvation.